Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're in the water space, and I can't even wait for you to meet my guests. Ah! Like plural, I can't even wait. You got the co-founders of Open Water on Nicole Doucet and Jess Page. Guys, it is so great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks so much, Justin. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's so great. Like I said, I mean, one's great, two the best because um, I always love to dive into like what you guys do, how you divide up the work, and like how you guys got together. Anyway, so and we'll get to all of that in a few moments. But let's do this. Um, I always love to introduce our guests and, and share a little about their story um, and their background. So why don't we start with Jess? We'll start over with you. How about just a little bit of your background and story before getting into Open Water? Uh, yeah, uh, I, it actually will be kind of short because uh, Nicole and I actually met as undergrads at the University of Miami, came up with the concept for uh, what would, would become open water while we were students. Uh, and so we have both very little experience aside from starting this company. Um, so <laughs> which I is great. Yeah, which is great. Uh, we I graduated a year before Nicole did, uh, and my background is in graphic design. So I worked as a, as a designer and art director for about a year uh, before going full-time when Nicole graduated. Love it. All right, I hear creative. I hear some creative skills and background. I have a feeling we're going to hear that play out in a few moments. Uh, Nicole, over to you. Got it. You guys met in school Miami. I'm an ACC guy, Georgia Tech. Um, I love Miami. I actually looked at going to school there. Um, a long time ago and love the campus and all that. So, okay. But Nicole, how about you? Share a little bit about you. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm from Mexico city originally. Uh, my family moved to Miami, uh, for my last year of high school, which, which was just like perfect timing, you know? Uh, and then I'm, and then I'm going to school there and that's where Jess and I met, uh, studied economics and finance and then ended up doing an MBA, uh, at the university of Chicago a few years later. Got it. Okay. So I heard creative on one side. I heard finance and numbers on another. I have a feeling we might, like I said, see that play out here in a few moments, how you, how you guys divide up the work. But um, so where did this idea come from? Um, you guys are co-founders of Open Water and it says formerly Green Sheep Water. So how about give us some of the backstory on this and, and how did you decide, you know, you're in school, we're going to start a water brand? Yeah. So we actually uh, ended up, so Chess and I met, we played uh, club soccer together. Um, and I used to help Jess with her Spanish homework, uh, kind of reluctantly, but it just kind of happened. Uh, <laughs> nice. And we became we became friends. Uh, and uh, there's this small movie theater on campus that plays uh, kind of like uh, you know independent movies, and they were playing a documentary on plastic pollution, and we just happened to walk in, and it just really blew our minds, like. I, you know, I think we've all seen plastic pollution in our daily lives. Like I, I saw it in, in Mexico and the beaches that I used to go to as a kid, you know, little by little, more and more plastic trash on the beach and the ocean, et cetera. But we realized that this trash and this pollution that we were seeing was really just the tip of the iceberg. And then there's this like huge, huge, huge problem that's so big, it's even hard to like comprehend. Um, and we walked out of the theater kind of depressed, actually. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty depressing. And we started thinking about bottled water and we thought, you know, what a stupid product. You know, <laughs> why do we why, why do we put water in a bottle 
that never ever goes away. Uh, you know, when there's this perfectly sustainable solutions already, which are you know reusable bottles, tap water, refill stations, filters, etc. Sure. And it just didn't make sense. And we uh, started talking to friends and uh, thinking about our own consumption habits and some research on the industry. We realized that every single person that we talk, talk to owns somewhere between six and 12 reusable bottles. Uh, but they keep all of them in a kitchen cabinet somewhere. And there's one that they actually try to take with them. You know, the one with the stickers that's all scratched up. <laughs> right. uh, yes. <laughs> But even people who care about this issue and have a reusable bottle sometimes find themselves without one or they sure. want to carry it or they don't have find a place to refill it or the water's hot or whatever it might be. And so we all keep buying bottled water. Um, and so this perfectly sustainable solution really wasn't having the environmental impact that it needed to have because it wasn't taking into account how we work as humans. And we said, okay, let's create the same product, give people the same convenience but get rid of the plastic and come up with a better option. Got it. Totally makes sense. Um, for those who haven't been to the website, drinkopenwater.com, canned water. So, and what's crazy when you're on the site, um, you know, it's the whole idea of more ocean, less plastic. And like when you're on the site, it's counting how many plastic bottles have been used since you got there. Like it's a little like uncomfortable to see, like since I've been on the site, I've up to almost 200,000 bottles. Like it's just, a, it's just going um, I, crazy. I so. I think it might hurt our conversion rates, actually. I think people go on our website and then they're like, oh, my God. I, I got to get off the website. <laughs> <laughs> it might be better, like, a number, like, in the last year. Anyway. Um, okay. So you decide you're going to stay. a lot. Yeah. It's a huge number, right. Um, how much did you do? Did you need to do much? Well, how did you figure out the product and packaging? Let's start with that. Because you hadn't been in the consumer goods space. You hadn't made water. You hadn't put it in packaging before. Obviously, the aluminum idea, great one, right? Um, but how did you kind of get started in that space? Yeah, we were. Uh, so we became obsessed, basically, with trying to figure out a way to create the same convenient product, but reduce the impact of the packaging as much as possible. Uh, and for us, we started with you know which type of packaging will have the highest likelihood of actually being recycled and not end up in a landfill or oceans. Um, and so okay. we looked at essentially every type of packaging material out there from, you know, regular plastics to plant-based plastics, uh, recycled plastics, uh, glass cartons, um, yep. and quickly understood that aluminum had the best end of life prospects. So aluminum gets recycled more than two times as often as not only plastic, but also glass uh, cartons actually have the lowest recycling rate of any beverage packaging out there. Um, and so it made perfect sense to, to use this format for, for water, which it had never been used for before. Sure. And I, um, so I love that and I agree. And from a recycling perspective or even a reuse perspective uh, makes a lot of sense. There's also, um, I'd say some that have gotten into like Tetra packs and have you guys looked mm -hmm. and how do you compare yeah. aluminum versus uh, a, a, for those that are listening, a Tetra pack is somewhat like a, a, a thick um, paper slash cardboard type packaging. How do you think about mm -hmm. that from a packaging perspective? Yeah, that that's the the cartons that um, I was mentioning. So it was a, a format that we did look into. Um, there was another brand that had, you know, launched in that type of packaging ahead of when we got started. Um, but as you really look into it, it's interesting. So those are not just a paper carton. They're made of paper, plastic and aluminum all fused together. And totally. the thing about recycling is that in order to actually recycle a package, all of those different materials need to be separated out, which when they're 
all combined together in a single package is really hard to do. Um, and so what ends up happening is that they, they just don't get recycled. Uh, Got over it. 40% or around 40% of the country actually doesn't even have access to carton recycling in their municipality. So, um, you know, if you don't have access to it, uh, it's really difficult to, to yeah. recycle that package. No doubt. And so how did you get started with finding like a, 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 a company that could help you with putting packaging together, creating a case, you know, putting product together that you could then taste and try? Like, how did that the early days look like? It was so hard. Like, it was so hard because we were <laughs> we were two college students with no experience. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so it was difficult. And I think that, uh, you know, we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. We thought, you know, this is a great idea, something that we're really passionate about. We think we can make a difference. Uh, and we just kind of went along with it, uh, not knowing that we were getting ourselves into this like <laughs> very, very difficult situation. Um, but we ended up finding, so, um, we wanted the package initially. So we knew that we wanted to go with, with aluminum. We wanted the package to be reclosable. Uh, for us, there was a very important, uh, that was a very important, uh, requirement for us because we saw people interacting with bottled water differently than the way that they interact with other beverages. We tend to take bottled water with us throughout our day. Uh, we don't do that with like coke or like uh you know spindrift or whatever other soda we're drinking uh bottled water is different and so we thought we wanted to be reclosable we wanted to be refillable actually because that you know enhances the sustainability of the product uh and there weren't really many options out there in terms of packaging for reclosable aluminum bottles that could work for beverage from a price standpoint uh and you know from the filling standpoint and so it, it was kind of like uh, you know, this is the one option that you can choose. Uh, do you like it or not? And then, you know, we went with that. And then from a filling, filling perspective, uh, the package was, so this was back in 2010 or 2011. Uh, right. The package was very, very new. Uh, so the aluminum bottles that we were using, they were started to uh, become used a little bit for like beer companies, some energy drinks, but it really, really wasn't prevalent in the U.S. And so co-packing availability was extremely limited as well. Uh, sure. We somehow found someone and convinced them that, <laughs> you know, that we should try this. We should try this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And how long from, hey, we should we walked out of the movie theater uh, with a, you know, feeling bad about ocean plastic to having a, a, the, your first sample, I'll call it, in hand? Yeah, uh, it, it was a long process. Um, so the movie uh, screening was like 2008. Uh, we actually did a business plan competition to kind of, oh, wow. you know, build out this this thinking and this idea and force ourselves to really evaluate all these little details. Um, and then to actually having a market ready product, it was late 2014. Um, so it was quite a bit of time. Wow. I mean, I always love to highlight that for our listeners that like, it didn't take like two weeks. I mean, it takes time, right? To get things established. Okay. And then once you had the samples, did you know it was good or was it, Hey, this is perfect. Or did you have to make tweaks and changes? Like what did it look like as you started getting ready to go out to market with it? So yeah, so late 2014, we had a product that we were very happy with and we wanted to go out to market, but we did have an instance a few years before where we had a product that we were not happy with. And then we Got had it. to work. So I think that was uh, maybe 2011. 
uh, we failed uh, our first run and, you know, we really weren't happy with the taste. Uh, and we knew that, you know, you're, you're coming into the market with a, pro- a packaging that no one's ever seen before. It's That's opaque. Right. Right. Uh, people are used to drinking water out of translucent containers. Like it's, it's, it's either glass or plastic. Uh, and people are going to have a certain expectation on the taste. And if sure. you're not meeting, uh, you know, the, the expectation on good taste, then they're going to give you one shot and that's going to be the end. Totally. And so we said, we're not ready to launch with this. And we started working on the production side. We started working on the formula. We started working on a, a lot of different things. And at the same time, we realized that, you know, we were going to run out of money uh, and we need we need to stay afloat. And so this is where uh, Jess's, uh, you know, design skills became really handy because we said, OK, we need to do something while we figure this out. And we became a graphic design company for three years. And so we started doing wow. logos, websites, yeah, uh, apps, uh, all sorts of projects from a graphic design perspective. And that kept us going until we were ready to launch. Interesting. Okay, so so then you continued to work on the formulation and the taste, right, to make it better. And meanwhile, you're doing graphics design and things on the side, which is so cool. And then, and by the way, for those listening, you get one chance sometimes with the customer or consumer. If it's no good, you're not going to buy it again. I and um, we've all tasted a product before that we tasted once and we're like. Not, not only I'm not I hate this I would not buy that again right it just tastes mm-hmm. bad um, and unfortunately sometimes entrepreneurs get in a hurry right and they think like I got to get product out you know I'm ready to be on shelf um, in stores but then you lose trust and um, that's a challenge long term so okay you get a product that tastes good then what was it hey now we should go and, and talk to retailers I mean and we'll fast forward in a few minutes amazing number of stores you're in today but like what did that look like once you had something that you felt like, yeah, the taste is good here? Yeah. So at that point, uh, we were like, okay, well, now we need to sell it. <laughs> How do we do this? <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> and uh, we we were living in Chicago at the time. Uh, and literally our days would uh, start with the both of us jumping on my car, going to the warehouse, filling my car with cases of water, and then driving around the city and trying to get our product anywhere we could. And so, yes, we we definitely thought, you know, oh, you know, retail is the place to be. That's where you sell bottled water. And so we tried to get into a few retail locations and we got in some convenience stores, et cetera. But we also got into this like kind of like unexpected places uh, like gyms and uh, museums and hotels and offices. And we slowly realized that, you know, that was working. Uh, that was really working for us. And the retail side, not so much. And not it might so have been might have been due because I mean timing. I think we were really early. The consumer really wasn't uh, as aware about the plastic uh, pollution crisis that is happening. Uh, so if we wanted to be successful in retail, we would have had to spend a lot of money in education. Um, and then part, part of it, I think, was uh, our name. So you you uh, mentioned our name before. Uh, we used to be called Green Sheep Water which was, uh, I think, very confusing. Uh, and definitely, so when we said we had like a, a market-ready product, uh, I would say it was market-ready from a taste perspective, but there right. were a Perfected lot of things the taste that needed. <laughs> yeah, needed some new branding. things still needed to be improved. Yeah. 
Um, but, but anyway, for, I, so we got into these like kind of like uh, unexpected places. What uh, we we know now was is called on premise, and uh, which we didn't know then. Uh, right. And the product worked. Yeah. Uh, and we said, let's focus on this. This is what's going to work for a company. Let's forget about retail. Let's forget about, you know, Whole Foods and Kroger and all these like, the, you know, goals that we had in our minds in terms of where we wanted the product to be. And let's focus in on-premise. Yeah. And for those listening, um, you know, it's not easy to retrain shoppers on how to use a product. So like if you been, you think bottle, water, you think of plastic, bottle. Like it's, it's because there's been so many, right? So retraining a, a consumer that water is in a can or an aluminum bottle, which I love, um, is new, right? You have to, people have to get used to that because they've been so used to the other, right? I mean, that's that's part of the challenge, I think. And the only, it's really interesting because the water category is the only one like that, unlike soft drinks where you drink, you know, uh, Coke Zero out of plastic bottle and aluminum can. Um, it's, that's interesting uh, in terms of the focus. And so... You have some early success. Um, you decide you're going to change the name of the brand. I, I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering, well, wait, what, where did the old name Green Sheep come from? So you got to tell us. Like, what? What Green Sheep? <laughs> Were they like Green Sheep in Miami? I mean, I... <laughs> no, it's a very good question. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, part of the impetus for changing the name was because we weren't able to have this conversation. Uh, we weren't able to have this conversation with everyone who encountered our products. And so, um, the name was not the first one that we, uh, kind of floated, but it was the one that stuck because we, we started thinking about how we were doing things entirely different from the rest of the bottled water category. We kind of thought of ourselves as the, the black sheep of the category, but in a green, <laughs> a green way, sheep. Yes. <laughs> green sheep. Ah, got it. Okay. All right. So you, you start getting into some accounts on premise. Um, and, did you have volume? Did you have like the right production? Were you doing production in Chicago? You said you're driving around Chicago putting in the outlets. Like, did you have production there? How were you getting product and where were you storing it? We were producing in the Midwest, uh, but at the beginning, so the minimum runs for both the empty bottles, so making the bottles and then filling them, they were huge. Like, they were really big runs. I'm sure. And so we were actually only producing, you know, maybe like once a year, you know, so we had plenty of inventory to work through. <laughs> plenty yeah, of inventory exactly. in the so warehouse. The production and capacity really wasn't a problem back then. It was like, right. the problem was like, how do we get rid of all this stuff? Uh, and who's going to buy right. it? That was, that was a problem at the time. Yeah. Yeah, when we were. <laughs> so I bet it was funny when you went into some outlets and they're like, yeah, we'll take two cases to start. And you're like, two, one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So two. There's like thousand. You know, like, Nicole oh mentioned God. that we would go to the warehouse every morning. Her car would fit 42 cases and still have room for us. And so <laughs> it was it was a, a very different uh, velocity than we're we're looking at nowadays. Oh luckily, God, but it's um, so funny. Yeah, I think I also looked back recently. I think the first production run lasted us about 15 months so well, amazing yeah i was and i when i was preparing for today i looked at your product and where it's located i live in atlanta as most of you know that listen um i mean it's like at least 20 to 30 different earth fair stores and uh, market um stores amazing so um okay so when did it go from 42 cases in the car to okay this is more than we can handle we've got to start to think different yeah, so we started getting into some on-premise accounts that were moving a lot of product, uh, and they were moving, you know, 
they were like, hey, can you deliver a pallet? And we were like, a pallet? Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. <laughs> that doesn't fit in my car. That doesn't fit in my <laughs> car. That doesn't fit in my car. <laughs> exactly. And so we started working with uh, kind of 3PL companies to make those deliveries. And this was also just in Chicago. But then we realized, oh, like, why are we just targeting Chicago now that we see that there are uh, customers out there that have enough volume where we don't really need to have, you know, local distribution. We could just ship the product to them. When you're ordering by the pallet, you know, that's enough volume that it's still, you know, totally. it makes sense and the unit economics work. And so we started, you know, reaching out to hotels across the country, to offices across the country, attractions across the country. And we started growing that way. And, and we started, we kind of approached the market in a very different way. Uh, I think because we, we had no previous experience in food and beverage. And so we didn't really have like a roadmap to follow or rules that we thought, oh, this is how you do it. We didn't know. We were just kind of figuring things out as, as we went. But we didn't do the, oh, find a distributor and then expand in that geography and then find another distributor and then expand in that geography. We just, we were doing direct for almost all of our uh, accounts at the beginning. We were just going direct. Um and then the distributors started noticing us because they were like, oh, I used to sell the water to, you know, whatever, the Four Seasons Hotel. And now they're not buying water from me. They're buying water from open water. Uh, maybe right. I need to get that product in my trucks. Um, and so that's how Got we it. started expanding. We we kept this like uh, kind of direct to business, kind of business to business, uh, you know, side of the company. And then slowly started adding distribution partners in different regional uh, and different regions uh, that would help us get those kind of smaller accounts where, you know, they're ordering 10, 20 cases at a time and shipping directly to them didn't make any sense. And so uh, when did you go, okay, we got something going now, eight years later, you know what I mean? Like what was it? I mean, right. I mean, so when did you realize, Hey, I think this is, this is really going. That's a good question. Um, I don't know if Jess's answer will be uh, different than, than mine, but uh, for me, it happened like when we started getting uh, into kind of the zoo and aquarium space. Uh, and these were these were locations that they, they, they were really interesting because they were locations that for the most part had contracts with Coke and Pepsi. Uh and yet, right, which is, which means they had to go off their contract to bring in your water. I exactly. used to work for Coke, so right. I mean, they have contracts with those companies that it's Dasani or it's Aquafina, right? Exactly. And instead, they're and bringing so, in a third party. And so for me, that was like, oh, like this is this is something. Like if if these if right. these accounts are willing to kind of create friction in those relationships that they've had, uh, this is something. Uh, and these were also, you know, highly visible accounts too, uh, with, you know, pretty significant volume. And so I think that that's when, at least for me, it was like, oh, yeah, we we have something, and this is, you know, uh, worth continuing uh, putting all of our lives into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jess, yeah. Any, anything you add? Uh, my my experience kind of dovetails with what Nicole is saying, um, and I think it was kind of around like 2018. So we had been in the market for like three ish years. Um, and up to that point, we were doing outreach, outbound sales. I mean, 95% of our days were, were doing sales. Uh, and there was kind of a point where it flipped a bit, where we would start getting inbound inquiries 
Um, and it was kind of around that same time uh, with the zoos and aquariums where that was really ramping up. Um, and it, it was a very clear inflection point for me. That's amazing. So cool. I just, I, this is why I love doing this podcast. You just learned so much. Um, okay. I, I mentioned earlier uh, that you, I, I assumed you guys divide up the work and that you, each of you has some specific skill sets that um, the other does not. I've heard some indicators of that in the last, oh, 24 minutes and 12 <laughs> seconds. Um, but I'm curious, I, I'd like to hear from you all. When you started, was it like, okay, I'm I'm gonna do like I can do like our labels and I can come up with a or and then I I'm good at the numbers or did you just talk about that up front or did you just kind of naturally figure that out how'd that go for you guys and we'll start with Jess on this one. So in the beginning, uh, we both did everything together. <laughs> right, um, all yeah, hats. Right, much. everyone's wearing all um, hats. And because we were kind of like learning as we were going, uh, we we really, you know, collaborated on pretty much every every part of the business um sure and and then after that our focus was on sales and so we were both doing outreach like like i was saying before and like 95 percent of our time was sales outreach um and we were we were running a lean operation uh you know it was just me and nicole for quite a few years uh we added our first employee uh and and then again it was it was the three of us for uh, uh, quite a bit of time and so we all wore a lot of hats. Uh, now we're we're doing a better job, I think, of dividing the the areas of the business that we're focusing on. Um, our team is right around just about twenty people now, full time. Um, oh wow, very good. Yeah, so okay. we have the the freedom, I guess, uh, to start focusing on different areas and really specializing in different areas of the business. Um, there's still some overlap, but but we have divided things a bit more. Uh, so Nicole, as you can expect, uh, is more focused on the, the operational side, the financial side <laughs> of, of the, the company, uh, which is great because she does yep. an amazing job at it. Uh, and I think it's actually an area right. of the, of, of running a business that's sometimes overlooked or undervalued. Um, totally. and it's not necessarily, I mean, maybe it is for her, but not as exciting as, <laughs> as the brand <laughs> side, um, which is what I think a lot of people who start brands want to, to focus on because it's fun. It's, it's the outward, you know, appearance of what you're right. building inside. Um, and that's what I focus on. But, uh, Nicole's portion is hugely important. Like I said, often, uh, overlooked as being less exciting. It, uh, I like, <laughs> I heard that, you know, when she, a few minutes ago and she said, you know, that a palette is not as economical, you know, some of the, the you're thinking of the, the metrics and the, the, you know, margin and whatnot, yeah. but Nicole, anything you'd add onto that? Uh, no, I mean, I think I think that Jess uh, Jess is trying to make me feel better about my job. It sounds like uh, <laughs> you got to lean into your strengths. Well, lean I, into your strengths. I will say that uh, I do. Nothing happens. Nothing happens at open water without running an analysis. Um, and that, which is yeah. Nice. I mean, it's it's yeah. not always the case. I don't, and we found out from talking to different founders and different employees of, sure. of uh, younger companies. Um, but it's a huge part of why we've been successful. That's great. Um, maybe I'll throw this question over to Nicole. Uh, you, and, and Jess just mentioned you're up to 20 people. Was like, was it hard to hire number three after it was one and two for years? You know what I mean? There was and four. And then, you know, was that difficult to expand because you guys were so aligned and you, know, you were in the car with 42 cases for years and you did the agency work for a couple of years because the product tasted terrible? Like, was that hard to start expanding the team or was that an easy decision? 
Uh, I would say that it became easier and easier as we grew. Uh, I actually have uh, a lot of gratitude and respect for the first few people who joined us uh, because, I mean, we were small back then. It was this crazy idea, you know, and and it's uh, it is easier, I think, to be crazy when it's your idea and you're like oh yeah like this is a great idea and i'm gonna make it work and this is gonna be fantastic but when you're the first follower like that takes courage uh and i'm so 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 thankful for the first couple of people who joined us uh and they're still with us now uh they are incredible they're uh we wouldn't be where we are without them uh and i think that those were actually more difficult hires in in many ways because you're bringing on kind of like the core people right and you're also trying to convince them that there's a future in selling water in an aluminum bottle uh which really wasn't (laughs) apparent back then (laughs) so true uh no that's great um we're getting towards the end of our time together Uh, i always love to ask our our um our guests some of their biggest lessons learned but before i do that i'd love to know anything not work Obviously, the taste didn't work. Like anything that was like, we tried that and it was a total fail. Or like, you know, we thought this is going to work and it did not. Like anything that sticks out, any one or two examples? I mean, I think we touched on the on the two biggest ones, really, that I can think of, which were, you know, the taste at the beginning, uh, which really was a huge disappointment. Imagine like at the time, you know, we had been working on this project for for years now uh and then you're at the production facility and it's kind of like your dream come true you know like this is the first time you have your product yes and then you're tasting it you're taking off the cap and it's just not quite there uh so i would say that was that was very (laughs) did you both know okay at in that moment was did you look at each other and go oh my god yeah or was it like i'm gonna jess is like yeah i mean it's okay and you're like (laughs) we were were trying to convince ourselves (laughs) for a little bit that it was was going to be okay and i mean maybe it wasn't that bad you know yeah um we drank a lot of water it was like on a friday and we drank a lot of water that weekend like hoping it was going to get better uh but it, it didn't and it became like very clear like this is this is not going to fix itself it's a problem and we need to go back to the drawing drawing board um on the flip side uh let's i'll, I'll throw this to each of you for one answer um one thing that you know for uh, entrepreneurs that are listening that are looking you know, to learn a lot and they i'm sure they already have from this discussion but like you know what would be some advice you'd give to them i'm sure you talk to a lot of um upcoming entrepreneurs like what would be one or two things you'd offer? Um, we'll start, Nicole, with you and then bounce over to Jess. Um, I would say uh, get a co-founder. <laughs> it really it really makes things, uh, you know, it, it is difficult. People have this idea of entrepreneurship that is, I think, very disconnected from reality. Uh, and yes, sometimes it is wonderful. And there are very, very few things in the world, I think, that can give you as much uh satisfaction at seeing your product out there something that was in your in your head and then it's in someone else's hands so that's incredible but but it's also difficult uh and having someone who's kind of in the same spot as you are with skin in the game with you know the same kind of hopes uh about what you're building uh it can be so helpful in those in those hard moments um and that like it 
it goes beyond like we talk about like oh yeah complementary skills and all these things and how to find a co-founder that has complementary skills to you to me i mean yes it's great to have complementary skills and it turned out that we did but it it is uh i think what makes a co-founder team work it's not really the complementary skills or not that's a, that's kind of like a bonus uh you need to find someone who you know you have the same ideas about where you want the company to be you have the same ideas about like how much of your life are you willing to pour into this thing um so yeah i mean that would be my my advice um just, just I love that. A, a, a I mean, what, that's, that is really great advice i love that um and i Totally agree. Like, uh, and you got to be passionate about the product and love the product and what you're doing and be like all in. Um, Jess, over to you. Um, yeah, the only other thing I would add to that is like having a trust is really, uh, you know, the most important thing. Like, we trust each other to make the right decisions for the brand. Um, and without that, I, I think a lot of the other things wouldn't even come into play. Um, the the thing that I would say, uh, you know, dedication and persistence. Um, I think is often overlooked. A lot of people are, get excited about an idea. Um, and like you were mentioning before, alluding to before, it doesn't take two weeks to, to go from idea to product. Uh, it takes, in some cases, years. Uh, and even once you get into the market, it might take several more years to really hit your stride. Um, and so I think that there, again, is this kind of like incorrect idea of what entrepreneurship is. Um, and people are looking for these like exciting quick wins and that might not always be the case, but if you're dedicated to it sure. and persistent, um, it, you know, you'll, you'll hit your success, uh, with time. Love that. Okay. Before we go, um, would you guys please share with our audience where they could find you, connect with you, buy product, et cetera. Uh, so we actually, we started with our zoos and aquariums and we work with tens of thousands of on-premise locations across the country, uh, four seasons, Kava restaurants. Um, but we also have started to dip our toes into the, the grocery and retail side, uh, of things. So, um, you know, different retailers all over the country, you can find a store like locator on our website. We work with whole foods in some regions, fresh market, fresh time, uh, some banners of Kroger. Uh, stop and shop in the Northeast. And so we're, we're building out that side of the business as well. And then of course, drinkopenwater.com. Amazing. 42 cases in the car trying to get into hotels and, you know, local boutiques. And now you're in th tens of thousands of outlets, including many around here in Atlanta. Um, very, very cool. Um, so great to meet you guys. Uh, really excited. You guys have got to come back on. Like I just, I, I, your story is so interesting and unique and just, I know um, you will have more to share with us. So we got to have you back on down the road. Nicole Doucet and Jess Page, co-founders of Open Water. So great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so Thank much, you so much Justin. Justin. We really enjoyed The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. You can find additional Contender Cast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. <laughs>